You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves nor shave your forehead for the sake of the dead. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people of his own possession out of all the people who are on the faith of the earth. So their special relationship with God prohibited them from involving themselves in any pagan practice cutting themselves, shaving their forehead for the sake of the dead. Apparently, those were pagan worship practices that as the holy people of God, they were not supposed to be involved with at all. They were not to do the things to honor God that were done in paganism. So, that's the first, one of the first things that he really wants to emphasize in the laws of worship. After talking about the one place where his name would dwell, then they had to get rid of idolatry. We move on to the idea of the food laws. And you know, the idea of them being a holy people made a big impact on everyday life as well. Sometimes we may think that we should worship God properly, but not think about the importance of living for God properly in an everyday life situation. It's important that we live for God properly, that every aspect of our life is governed by the Lord. Jesus didn't die just so, so we'd worship right, or just so we'd go to the right church. He died so we'd live for him, so we'd be truly holy people. As we said before, the earliest law in the Bible was a food law. And as far as I can see, there's no rationale that we can give to the food law in Genesis. In Genesis 2. Why did he prohibit that tree? I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it means, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, I don't know what properties that tree might have had that would be different from another tree. I know it was the tree God said not to eat of. That's about all I can understand about that. And I will say the same thing about the food laws. We talked about that a little bit earlier. I can't give you a rationale. Uh, the rationale I, the rationales that I hear from people, I don't buy. Uh, so I don't know, maybe there is one. But I don't see one. I just see God saying, these are clean, these are unclean. Here's the distinction you must make. Why don't we go ahead and get into this a little bit. Would somebody read four to eight? Three to eight, rather. You shall not eat any detestable thing. These are the animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. And any animal that divides the hoof and has the, the hoof split in two and chews the cud among the animals, that you may eat. Nevertheless, you are not to eat of these among those which chew the cud or among those that divide the hoof in two, the camel and the rabbit and the rock badger, for they... For though they chew the cud, they do not divide the hoof. They are unclean for you. And the pig, because it divides the hoof, but does not chew the cud, it is unclean for you. You shall not eat any of their flesh, nor touch their carcasses. Basically, when it comes to land animals, to be able to eat them, it takes two qualifications. Split hoof and chew the cud. If they have both of those qualifications, they are clean animals that can be eaten. If they lack even just one of those two qualifications, they cannot be eaten. They must be clean completely. 
You know, we don't uh, we don't say, well, this is sort of right. <laughs> no, if if, it, if the animal is not ruminant, or have a split hoof, then you cannot eat it. Those two qualifications have to be there. That was the rule about which land animals were clean and unclean. Comments and thoughts. The water animals, verses 9 and 10. <coughs> of all that are in the waters, you may eat these. Whatever has fins and scales, you may eat. And whatever does not have fins and scales, you shall not eat. Is Pretty simple, right? Has to have fins and scales. If it does, you can eat. If, you, if it doesn't, you can't. Then he deals with the air animals. 11 to 21. <laughs> you may eat all clean birds, but these are the ones you shall not eat. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of any kind, every raven of any kind, the ostrich, the night hawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl and the short-eared owl, the barn owl and the tawny owl, the carrion vulture and the cormorant, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe and the bat. And all winged insects are unclean to you. They shall not be eaten. All clean winged things you may eat. You shall not eat anything that has died naturally. You may give it to the sojourner who is within your towns, that he may eat it. Or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Okay, with the birds, he just gives a list of the unclean. You can eat the rest of them. With the insects, but you couldn't eat the walkers, you could eat the hoppers. That's basically the way that breaks down. You can't eat something that just dies of itself, perhaps because it isn't properly bled. And you cannot boil a kid in its mother's milk. I don't know why that's true. I do know that is the basis behind a lot of the Jewish tradition of kosher food. They do not mix milk and meat products. They do not use the same utensils to cook milk and meat products. And that's a part of making the food kosher. That's the basis for that, as I understand it, among modern Jews. But why he said that, I don't really know. Uh, but those are the food laws that he gives. I think the lesson we learn is to divide between clean and unclean. I think God wants in the New Testament us to make that application spiritually, to be, be, between things that are spiritually clean and unclean, and he taught the lesson in a physical way with their diet in the Old Testament. Comments and questions? Uh, here in uh, verse 21... He talks about them being able to sell it to the foreigner or the sojourner. Does that mean in Deuteronomy, most of the time when he's talking about the sojourner, it's not a, like a proselyte of the Jewish law? Yeah, I think the sojourner would have been just a foreigner that was living among so them. So like Rahab, he wouldn't refer to her anymore as a foreigner. Okay. I think it's probably true. Yes? Just like an interesting note, my um, Bible just adds like uh, on the twenty. Um, in verse 21, why reason why the for a goat, you know, a kid in his mother's milk? It says that uh, that was actually practiced um, uh, for the Canaanites to bail 
It's used for, for fertility, so it could, yeah, that is one of the theories about that. He didn't want to associate uh, his, you know, the, the Israelites eating with anything that the Canaanites were doing, and that may be the case. Other thoughts? Okay, uh, 22 to 29. <clears throat> you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, and before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen, or sheep, or wine, or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce, and the same year lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Okay, so basically it's the idea of the tithe that they bring to the Lord. You know from other passages that the Levites receive the tithe. Um, and uh, sometimes as they brought the tenth of their crop or their animals, if they lived a long way away, might be impractical to actually take them as animals and crops. They could sell them, and then when they got to the place where God's name dwelt, buy uh, products to offer to the Lord. That was an option for them. Every third year, the tithe that belonged to the Lord, the Lord relinquished for them to keep in their own towns uh, stored for the benefit of the alien, the orphan, the widow, and the Levite in their town, to provide for those who are in need in their area. So there's a special charitable fund made up of the third year tie for the poor people in their area. You always see that great compassion on the Lord's behalf, on the Lord's part rather, for those who were in need. For those who had special situations that created a hardship for them, the Lord was always seeking to provide abundantly for them. It's a great deal of uh, consciousness of the Lord uh, for those who would have special needs, special situations. Comments and questions? Yes? When he's listing the things that they can spend money for, um, he mentions buying wine and strong drinks. I assume it was part of the libation that would be poured out as a drink offering on the, on the sacrifice. So they are not eating this, they are giving it to God? I think they wouldn't have eaten the, the drink offering. 
who would have just poured it out on the sacrifice. Other questions or comments? Well, I mean, I imagine they had a portion of the drink offering, but they would have mixed it with water and stuff. It wouldn't have been like they've been drinking straight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as the people themselves, at least, they would have only been able to take a portion of the peace offering. Yes. Right? Tip. Yeah, I'm not mistaken from research we before. This would be one positive <clears throat> statement of strong drink. Every other use of strong drink is a negative connotation. Right. Yeah, I mean, certainly the Bible as a whole uh, teaches the importance of being careful, of being vigilant, of being sober, being watchful. And anything that would affect us mentally to diminish that seriousness is detrimental to us. That's why God warns about those things. I mean, the biggest reason for not drinking strong drink is the effect that it has on us mentally and how that impairs us in serving God. So when we really want to have a full mind to serve God, we don't do anything that's going to intoxicate ourselves. Something else worthy to note along this is back then they didn't have a lot of water purification purposes. So like you were saying, they would often put a little bit of that in their water to help purify some of their water. So they're, like we've been saying, they're not necessarily straight drinking this. Right. Certainly. Yeah. There's a difference between cultures in which some alcohol has been consumed as a, you know, accompaniment to a meal or simply to be able to hydrate oneself. And the drinking that almost always is done today, where the reason that the drink is chosen over a soft drink is because you feel better when you're drinking that. You know, there's some loosening up effect, or there's some, you know, relaxation effect. There's something that is, it's not just the taste of it. And we may say, well, we really like the taste, but I also feel better. And, and the idea of feeling better because we've drunk that is because I'm not as careful. Now, I'm not as serious. I'm not as sober. I'm not as guarded. You know, those kinds of things that are things we don't want to happen to us. You know, we want to be as sober and as careful and as in full possession of our mental faculties as possible. Yes? Something that would kind of make more sense to me um, if it will with, you know, kind of how they live. Um, strong drink, even if it's like a strong alcohol content beverage, whatever. If it's not you, like they were back then, they used that stuff for a lot of things. So it's not maybe they might not even drink it. It's it's for like you said purification. Uh, they can use it for uh, different uh, uh, smell remedies or anything. There's there's different things that they can use it for other than that supplementary. That's not even anything to do with our uh, necessarily ingesting it to get a feeling out of it. It's more just like a, it's just functional in a lot of other ways. Like there's many things you can do with something that has an alcohol, some type of alcohol, alcohol content in it. Okay. That's functional. Right. Other thoughts? <coughs> well, he moves on from the tithe, which is kind of an annual thing, to an every seven year thing, the Sabbath year, chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. <laughs> 